So I'm preaching to you from the living word of God from the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. <laughs> oh, I wish my church would do that. I'm gonna be preaching from the book of Acts and from Acts, I'm going to, hopefully with the help of God, continue to do what God has been doing in your hearts to stir your faith to live a passionate, fully devoted life of boldness for the glory of Jesus. And so I'll introduce uh, our text by asking a twofold question. The first part of the question is really easy for you to answer. The second one may take a little more humility for some of you. The first part of the question is this. At Victory Church, how many of you believe in the power of prayer, that God hears our prayers, answers our prayers, moves when our faith calls out to him. You believe in the power of prayer. That's the easy part. The second part of the question I wanna ask you may take a little more humility. Part one, how many of you believe in the power of prayer? Part two, how many, even though you believe in the power of prayer, know you should probably pray more consistently and more passionately? Yes. It's interesting, isn't it, how we really do, most of us would believe in a God that hears and is moved by our faith and prayers, and yet most of us don't pray as often or as consistently as we know that we probably should. Why is that? I've pondered it so many different times, and I have a lot of theories. One of my theories is that many of us, we're insecure about our prayers. We don't necessarily know how we do it, especially when we're around some of you that are like prayer warriors. Like, you're like, you're like so good, you could letter in prayer. You, if, if prayer was a professional sport, you'd be a pro prayer, right? You're sponsored by the Bible app, that's how good you are. You know, you're like, you got your own sponsor, you got little patches on, you know, you pray, like when you pray, you quote verses and you say where they're from in your prayer, and God goes like two extra points, you know, and God, we know that in your words, says Isaiah 54, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, ding, 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 okay, they just quoted the Bible, and then some of you, you bind up the devil, extra points when you do that, because everybody else goes, whoom, yeah, mm, bind up the devil, yeah, oh, yeah, and you get a, oh, yeah, it's two extra points, and you're going like, oh, I don't know, like, God, you're good, you're good to the last drop, you're like a, Good neighbor, you'll always be there. You're doing the best you can, but you feel a little bit intimidated by those who are better. I, I've always felt that way, and um, I can be a little bit of a, like I call an ADD prayer. Are any of you like that? Like, you know, you've you got fully good intentions for like 30 seconds straight. You know, then you're like, bird. <laughs> Seed, which makes me think of lunch. Tacos, for the glory of God. And your mind's like gone. What? Why is it that we, we really do believe that God is moved by our faith? We pray to a God who says to him, all things are possible, and yet we don't pray as consistently as we could. I got a lot of theories. One of the reasons, and I really think this is true, is that for so many of us, um, one of our big mistakes is that our prayers are just way too safe. They're just too safe. I mean, we're praying to a God who can do anything, and we're like going, be with us, God. And he's like going, okay, I told you I would, <laughs> and I'm not gonna leave you, and you're asking me to be with you. God, keep us safe as we travel. That's good, there's about a 99.9% .9 chance that's gonna happen anyway, but I'm glad you're invoking my angels to watch over your bad driving, you know. Uh, <laughs> help us have a good day today, and that's bless this very unhealthy food that we're about to eat to the nourishment of our body. <laughs> you know, we just really, safe prayers. And so what I wanna do is I wanna preach to you out of the book of Acts chapter four. Just making sure you're there with me. And I'm gonna show you 
what I call a very dangerous prayer from Acts chapter four. And I am on assignment, I believe, by God to encourage you, to invite you, um, to inspire you, maybe even to challenge you, just for the next seven days, just for the next seven days, to pray this dangerous prayer and see what happens. Uh, the prayer that we're gonna pray um, is from scripture, and we're gonna pray it this way. We're gonna pray, God, make us bold. Would you mind saying that wherever you are? Just say, God, make us bold. Now what I want you to do is I want you to personalize it. What I'd like for you to do is say, God, make me bold. Would you just say that? Just say, God, make me bold. Look at the person next to you and say, get ready. It's about to go down. Tell them it's about to go down. Listen to me, when you pray that prayer, when you pray that prayer, God's gonna hear that prayer and you have no idea what God may set into motion through a single act of bold obedience. It's about to go down. Acts chapter four, let me give you the context. Uh, Peter and John, they were preaching the gospel. They were talking about how you all crucified Jesus, the son of God. God raised him from the dead. There's power in the name of Jesus. As they were preaching, a guy came up that had been unable to walk for 40 years. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God healed that guy. And the religious leaders, the priests and the Sadducees and the captain, the temple guards, they were offended, they were worried, they were nervous. They didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in healing. They thought this was a cult. They didn't know what was going on. So they arrested Peter and John, put him in jail. And the next day, Peter and John were on trial in front of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin asked them, by what authority are you doing these miracles? By what authority was this man healed? By what authority are you preaching? By what authority did you heal this guy? And in verse 10, Peter said, let me clearly state to all of you and all of the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords. He was healed by the powerful name of Jesus the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. This was almost a declaration of war because the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection and they boldly stand up before the authorities that could take their life and say the very thing you do not believe is the very thing that God did. Verse 13, the members of the council, they were what? Let's all say it aloud. The members of the council were amazed when they saw what? What did they see that amazed them? They were amazed when they saw the boldness. Somebody say, make me bold. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in scripture. The religious leaders, they were taken aback. They were shocked. They were amazed. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. And what was it that amazed them? It was the boldness of ordinary, untrained, unschooled, unlearned men. Uh, the word in the Greek that's translated as ordinary is a great word. It's the word idiotes. Can you tell where I'm about to go with this? If not, we can pray for you after the service for wisdom and discernment because you, you idiotes. This word can be translated as unlearned, ordinary, unschooled. The best translation for idiotes, what do you think it is? Idiot. Is idiot. Why does it not say they were amazed by these idiots? Because Bible translators are polite and don't use words like that. <laughs> but the most, 
The best translation is they were amazed at the boldness of these idiots. As a side note, just so you know, because we live kind of in this part of the country, this part of the country, anytime someone says, bless your heart, you know what they're saying, right? You know, you know what they're saying. Just so you'll know, if anybody says, bless your heart, they don't mean bless your heart, they mean you're an idiot. That's right, that is exactly what it means. And you know it. If I, felt, if I, if I got up to on the edge, edge of this thing and fell off, you'd be like, well, bless his heart. What are you saying? Dude should have stood back. What's that guy doing? Bless him, he's just nothing but an idiot. It's a fact. First time, first time I did a funeral, I was 22, maybe 23 years of age, and it was an outside graveside, and I'd never done one before, and they said, we want to sing Amazing Grace. I'm like, okay. So I just started the song, assuming, bless my heart, that everybody else would join in. Well, they didn't. So I'm singing my first and only solo. I can't sing at all. It's horrible. <laughs> and I'm outside, and a fly, during the middle of a May, a fly flew into my mouth, hit that little, you know the little, you know the dingly thing back there? That little dingly thing? It hit that little dingly thing and then it dropped about six inches. So I got, a, I got a decision to make. I'm praying for wisdom and discernment from the Holy Spirit. Do I, do I hack a loogie by grandma's grave or, or do I take one for the glory of God, right? What, what do you think I did? Oh, I swallowed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I took that thing down, it's gross, right? My eyes are wandering, I'm watering. I'm singing a bad solo. I'm at the end trying to land the plane, I said, I got to the end where you know you're supposed to say the pastoral thing, that you go, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. What comes after that? Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't learn that in seminary. And so I'm like, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. They were looking all depressed and sad and worried about the fly I just ate. And so I thought I'll, I'll make it funny. And so I said, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Sure hope this coffin doesn't rust. That's what I said, I said it. You see, like you got a good sense of humor here. You do, you're laughing. You know that's funny, that's quick, that's good humor, that's anointed, all that kind of stuff. There's joy and laughter in the Lord. They didn't laugh at all. It was horrible, it was horrible. <laughs> a true story, I'm walking back to the, the limousine thing with the funeral guy, old guy in a suit, and he puts his arm around me supportively. He says, first funeral? I'm like, yeah. He said. Bless your heart, right? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, bless your heart. It means you're an idiot. <laughs> That's what it means. The religious leaders, they were amazed at the boldness of these idiotes people. And the religious leaders, they had a problem because uh, these idiots were so bold and they're preaching the gospel and they're healing people and they knew if they don't shut these Christians down, these people of the way, then Rome's gonna step in and they're gonna be on the line. So they came up and said, you cannot preach Jesus, you cannot heal. Uh, if you do, we'll arrest you, we'll beat you and we'll put you in prison. So what do you do whenever you're threatened with danger? If you're a Christian, you probably pray. And what do you pray? I'm praying, God, keep me safe, put a hedge of protection around me, bless me, keep me, help me win the lottery, make me TikTok famous, whatever. I mean, I'm praying something that's self-centered, but I wanna, I wanna show you what these disciples prayed. They prayed a very dangerous prayer. And they prayed the very prayer that I'm going to encourage you to pray, and this is what they prayed in verse 29. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats 
They're threatening to beat us, imprison us, and potentially kill us. Here their threats, God. And give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. They didn't pray, keep us safe, watch over us, put a hedge of protection around us, but in the threat and the face of immediate danger, they ask for God to make them bold. Could you say it again? Say, make me bold. bold. Get ready, because it's about to go down. The religious leaders, they were amazed. They were blown away. They were shocked by the boldness of these unschooled people. So I want to ask you a question. For those of you that are disciples of Jesus, you're followers of Jesus, my question is, how amazed are people by your boldness? How amazed? On a scale of 1 to 10. 1 to 10. Uh, you may talk about this later on in the day with anybody that you're with. What, what would you rank yourself as? Uh, don't say a 10, okay, because Jesus is a 10. You're not a 10. You're not Jesus. So just, just so you'll know. Billy Graham was a 9.9. You're a 10. You're not a, you're, Jesus is a 10. You're not that. So, but, uh, or you might be a 2 or 3. And the good news is I've talked to some of you, and some of you, you are an 8, or you're a 9, or you're a 9.5, because everywhere you go, you're displaying the love of Jesus like you really are. You've got the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, and you're generous, and you pray for people, and you're prompted to pray, and you'll speak up, and you'll defend those who are defenseless, and you'll be bold for the name of Jesus. And when you walk into the room, light walks into the room. You're an ambassador of the Most High God. You're the highest-ranking diplomat sent by God from heaven to earth. You're salt. You're light. When you come into the room, hope comes into the room. People know Know where you stand, and they may not even believe what you believe, but they often respect you because you're bold, you're consistent, you have integrity, and you are generous with the love of God everywhere you go. Some of you are on the higher end, and praise God for you. Others of you, though, unfortunately, you may genuinely be a disciple of Jesus, but you're on the lower end of the scale. Probably not you, but maybe someone you know might be a one or a two, so much so that they've worked next to someone in their office for four years. And somewhere in the fourth year, the person says to you or that person, well, I didn't know you went to Victory Church too. I had no idea you were a Christian. Right? Someone you play sports with, someone in your sorority. Well, you're a Christian? I didn't know. In other words, the whole time I've known you, there was no outward evidence of your inward devotion to Christ. You never prayed. You never shared a verse. You never mentioned the name of Jesus. You never showed something that made you stand out from the others. How amazed are people by your boldness? And the religious leaders, they were amazed at the spiritual boldness of these unschooled, unlearned idiots. How amazed are people by your boldness? Uh, When I was a new Christian, uh, brand new, when I was in college, I was wild, and then I met Jesus. I was was like, for a while, I was like maybe building my testimony. Some of you did that, right? I was doing that kind of stuff. And then I didn't know. I became a Jesus, got ridiculously saved, so much so um, none of my Christians were friends. None of my friends were Christians, and a lot of us became Christians. And we didn't know anything. We were partiers, and we were saved. It was so embarrassing what we didn't know. That I got saved one week, and my big brother and fraternity got saved. Apart from me, we told each other, and we went out to get drunk to celebrate. That's how lost we were. We didn't know anybody. Let's go get Yeah, we're religious now. We didn't know. We pray. 
at our Bible studies, protect us as we party, help Mitch's girlfriend not get pregnant. We didn't know. We just didn't know. <laughs> but we started reading the Bible. And how many you know the Word of God is powerful? And when you read the Bible, things start to happen. And so we just said every time we saw a prayer, we'd start praying that prayer. And we got to Acts chapter 4, I started praying the prayer. God made me bold. Well, I ended up going to an award ceremony at the end of the year. It was an athletic award. I was a college athlete. And lo and behold, though I never expected I won the big award, the athlete of the year. Amy was there. We just started dating. I called her my Christian babe. And I was very proud of that. And I was her Christian. I'm not going to say the word because it's actually questionable now. But it was a, a word that displays manliness and such for the glory of God. And so um, they, I came up and they said, here's your award. And they said, would you like to say something for like 30 seconds? Well, they had no idea that I've been praying that God would make me bold. So I preached in 30 seconds about a 45-minute sermon that was like, I covered the Old Testament, the New Testament, <laughs> some extra books, some quotes from C.S. Lewis. I talked about sin nature, the fallenness of mankind, the redemption of Jesus, the blood of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit who will come upon you if you open yourselves up, spiritual gifts, anointing, healing, the second coming of Christ. Jesus is standing at the door and knock. Behold, if you hear his voice, he'll come into you. If you turn from your sins, he'll make you new because God so loved the world, he sent his only son, Jesus, that no matter who you are, where you are, if you open up your heart, he is here. Jesus is returning soon. If you don't repent of your sins, you're gonna get left behind. I did the whole thing. I mean, the whole thing. 30 seconds. And they didn't do what you did. They didn't, they didn't clap. They didn't do anything. And I put the microphone down. It was dead silent. They didn't like, good job on the award and everything. And nothing. And I was walking back to my seat. I walked by this guy who's a soccer player. And uh, I, didn't, I knew him, but not well. And he looked at me. His mouth was open. He said, that was the boldest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. That's what he said. He was, he was amazed by my boldness. 9.9, .9, okay? <laughs> How amazed are people by your boldness? Now, some of you are going to say, but I'm just not, a, I'm not an outgoing person. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm more of a timid person. I'm introverted. What you don't understand is, um, biblically speaking, boldness is not a personality trait. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can be bold in spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can be bold wherever you are. It's not a personality trait. It's not the way you're wired. It's not, it's not how you think. When you've been transformed by Jesus, sometimes you just can't hold back. Everybody say, make me bold. Be careful when you pray that because it is a dangerous prayer. They prayed this prayer. Let's look at it again. Um, they prayed this in Acts 4, 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Now watch what they prayed. They prayed, stretch out your hand with healing power, O God. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Scripture says, after this prayer. Everybody say, after. After they prayed this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They preached the word of God with boldness. When did the place shake? When were they filled with the Holy Spirit? After they prayed for boldness. What I like about this is that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they preached with boldness. A lot of people don't understand the full power of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The third person of the Trinity is God in spirit. He is with us 
here, now. The Holy Spirit will fill you. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? The Holy Spirit, he will convict you of sin. Praise God for that. He will encourage you when you're down. He will comfort you when you're hurting. He will give you words to say. He will prompt you. He will direct your steps. He will empower you with power on high. He will do miracles in you. He'll do miracles through you. He'll give you spiritual gifts, gifts of prophecy and gifts of wisdom and gifts of discernment and gifts of healing and gifts of faith and gifts of generosity and gifts of leadership. He'll give you gifts that go beyond your human ability to understand or to work up. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will empower you with boldness from heaven. Make me bold. When you pray that, get ready. Because the Holy Spirit may come upon you and shake your place or shake your heart or shake your faith. How amazed are people by your boldness? They prayed for boldness. They kept preaching. And God kept healing people. And people kept getting saved. And the high priest and the religious leaders, they were furious. They were panicked. They said, we got to shut this down. So they arrested the disciples again. Read on in verse 18. They arrested the apostles and they put them in a public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. The angel told them, go to the temple and give the people the message of this new life. I'm going to invite you, encourage you, and challenge you to consider for the next seven days. Maybe put a reminder on your phone once a day, three times a day, whatever it is. And every time that reminder comes up, you just stop and pause and look to heaven and say, God, make me bold. You have no idea what God may set into motion through a single act of bold obedience. But I wanna tell you and I wanna warn you, this isn't a sitcom sermon. I mean, at the end of it, everybody's happy and everything works out. This is actually a very dangerous prayer that often comes at a very high cost to the person who prays it. And I wanna show you three attributes of boldness because I'm gonna invite you to pray this, but I want you to have a clue as to what's coming when you do. The first attribute of boldness is this. Number one, boldness almost always triggers, triggers spiritual opposition. Almost every single time. When you're bold in your faith, you almost always trigger spiritual opposition. You see it, they were bold in faith, and what happened? They were arrested. They arrested the apostles and they put them in a public jail. Here's what I want you to see. That's the second time they went to jail that week. These people were faithfully serving Jesus and they had trials. It's amazing to me how often people faithfully serve Jesus and when life doesn't go as they want it, they say, well, this doesn't work. I tried church and life got hard. No, we have to understand, when we follow Jesus, sometimes the devil shows up and pushes back. Spiritual opposition doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Spiritual opposition is often an indication you're doing something right. Don't freak out. Don't question where God is. I, I don't worry when I face opposition for my obedience to God. You know when I worry? It's when I don't face any opposition. You, when you obey by faith, the devil's gonna push back. Make me bold. God's gonna make you bold. And you may face opposition from the weirdest place. You may take a step of faith to do something God's calling you to do, and people that you expected to support, you push back going, well, bless your heart. What are you thinking? That's stupid. I saw in, in college, it's like every single one of these lessons, like boom, 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 boom. We prayed, make us bold. I came out of the party scene and I looked at Jesus and he seemed to go into the party scene. He hung out with the people that religion rejected and he loved them. 
and he, and, he, and he shared with them. So I thought, I came out of the party scene. I'm going back. I just went back into the bars to share the gospel. Not drinking, but just sitting down next to drunk people, telling them about Jesus. And what I love about drunk people is they always love you. I mean, you can just, you're, they're your best friend immediately. I love you, man. I don't even know you, man. But bro, we go back. Got you, you're mine, man. I mean, just immediately. I love it. And I was talking to my new best friend and telling him about Jesus, and he was hurting, and he was very open to the gospel. But we couldn't hear because the music was too loud. He said, let's go outside so we can talk. The moment we stepped outside, there was a guy in a flatbed trailer preaching, a street preacher, and I thought, God sent reinforcements. What I didn't realize is what maybe was meant to be reinforcement actually became opposition. The guy pointed at me and started yelling at me and telling me I was going to hell. And my drunk friend loved me, which wasn't a good thing for the mean preacher guy. I told him, I tried to tell the preacher guy, I'm not going to hell. I was going to hell, now I'm going to heaven. He's going to hell, we're trying to get him to heaven. But it didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't make the connection. And so the more I was trying to share the gospel, the more the street preacher was misrepresenting the gospel with a hateful tone, making the drunk guy angry at him. The drunk guy charged him. I had to pull him off, take him to the side, trying to share the gospel in the middle of opposition. I kept telling the drunk guy, God loves you, and he kept saying, he doesn't love me. I've been too bad. I said, no, he loves you, and he said, he doesn't love me. I said, God can forgive your sins. He said, he can't forgive my sins. My sins are too bad. I kept boldly preaching the gospel. Then the Holy Spirit prompted me to do something I've never done before, never done since, don't ever plan on doing it again, don't recommend that you do, but I actually agreed with his bad theology, but like I was supposed to. I said, God loves you so much. He said, no, he doesn't, and eventually I said, well, maybe you're right. And he went, what? And I said, yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe you're right. Like, I think God loves everybody else, like all of them, everyone but not you. He said, well, how do you know? I said, you told me, you've been too bad. He goes, well, how do you know I've been too bad? I said, you've been too bad for God's love. He goes, I don't know if I've been too bad for God's love. He said, no, God can't forgive you. He can forgive everybody else but not you. He said, well, how do you know? I said, I know, you've been too bad. He can't forgive you. He said, well, I think he can. I said, no, he can't. The drunk guy led himself to Christ. It was amazing, right there. Right there, he, he led himself to Christ. You, ha you have no idea what God may set into motion through a single act of bold obedience. But I promise you, the moment you step out in faith, your spiritual enemy will push back with resistance every single time. I what I'm saying is I want you to get ready for it. When you pray, make me bold, get ready for it. Opposition may come from the place that you least expect it. And it's, it's real. Don't be shocked when it does. Be concerned if it doesn't. Because when you're faithfully serving Jesus, the devil gets real angry and tries to stop you. The first principle is this. When you pray, make me bold, God will hear your prayer. He'll give you chances. He will prompt you. But spiritual boldness triggers spiritual opposition. The second thing is really good news, and that is this, that boldness often releases God's miracles. Boldness triggers the faith that you have, releases God's miracles. And I wanna show you the miracle, and I wanna show you why I think this miracle is really, really funny. So if you can picture Peter and John, they're in prison, and they could be, who knows, the next day they could be executed, they need help. And Luke is reporting on this in the book of Acts, and what I want you to notice is how Luke talks about the miracle and how he doesn't. The fact that he doesn't do it the way that you would do it or the way I would do it to me is very profound. Scripture says this, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. That's it. 
It's not just what's there that's important, it's what's not there. Luke just says this, they're in prison and they prayed, and an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the jail and brought them out. Notice what's not there. There's no exclamation point. There's no like, oh my freaking goodness, you're not gonna believe what I'm about to tell you. There's, there's no like, an angel, 10 feet tall, eyes of blazing fire, came down out of heaven and broke, listen, if I'm in that thing, I'm like, listen to me! An angel of God, a heavenly messenger sent by God, let us out. Luke says, without emotion, without an exclamation point, without not a hashtag angels from heaven, nothing, 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 nothing. But an angel of the Lord opened the jail cell and let him out. Why was it not a big deal to Luke? Because when you're walking in obedience to God, you're not surprised by the miracles from God. You just kinda know that God is with you and you know that he's for you. And when you're walking by faith, he gives you words to say and provision from heaven and comfort from God and directs your steps. You just kind of expect to God, God to show up, why? because you've been walking in communion and fellowship with him. When you're walking in obedience to God, you're not shocked that God showed up. I learned this again in my first uh, prayer time, prayer healing service. I was, uh, my first ministry job for five years, I had the honor of serving as an associate pastor for a charismatic evangelical United Methodist Church. Yes, that's, that's like, there's a lot in that statement. Charismatic evangelical United Methodist Church. We're talking about, we had like, prayer services, speaking in tongues, shofar, doxology, Israeli dancing, um, the, uh, Apostles' Creed, robes, and prayer healing lines, all in a Methodist church. It was amazing. Okay? Uh, I was, it was my first prayer healing service, and I was 22 or so years of age. I'm wearing a robe after getting off the throne, because they had these cool little thrones in the Methodist church where the pastors were sitting, and my robe didn't have stripes on it because I was not ordained. I didn't glow in the dark, and I wanted stripes, and I felt very, insecure, and I went to pray for a lady, and she came up and she said, I've lost almost all my blinds, my, my eyesight. The doctor said I'm gonna be blind very soon. I didn't know what to do. I said, hang on here. I ran over to my pastor, I said, Pastor, what do I do? She's like, going blind. He said, scripture says, is there any sick among you? But the elders of the church pray for anointing with all the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And he said, no, I'm not an elder. And he said, you're the oldest person praying for her, so pray. And so I said, where's the anointing oil? He said, it's in my office on the second shelf. So I ran into his office on the second shelf. I looked up, there were two oil bottles. There's one that was from Israel. There's one that was like, looked like Christmas oil. And so I opened up the Israel one, smelled it, smelled like Israel. I opened up the, the Christmas one, smelled like cinnamon. I thought, Israel, God's people, Christmas, birth of Christ, God's people, birth of, I'm going Jesus. So I took the Christmas one, I didn't know any better. And I just came out there and I'm like looking at this lady, I got her name, I said, I'm gonna anoint you with oil. I'm like, how do you anoint? So I'm thinking, she's kneeling, I'm standing, forehead looked like the most square footage. I'm like going, check mark, number sign, smiley face, cross. I'm going with the cross, Jesus' birth and the cross. And so put some oil on there, like I anoint you now in the name of the Father. I put it on her forehead. And when I did, she started to go, ooh. Ooh, it's, burn, it's burning, it's hot. Burning. I'm looking at it going, the power 
and I'm praying for her, and, and she went home, woo, all the way out the door, and the next week, God is my witness, Amy can tell you a true story, she came back in, she ran up to me, a little red mark on her, on her thing. <laughs> she, anyway, she ran up to me, gave me the biggest hug, and she said, my eyesight is better, and the doctor said I've been healed. Come on, somebody. For the glory of God, the glory of God. And I look on, and with all the pastoral faith that I had, I said, no way. <laughs> That's what I said. I was, I was totally shocked because I was young in my bold obedience. Listen to me. The longer you walk with Jesus, the more you recognize he is always faithful. And when you, and listen, when you pray a bold prayer, make me bold, God will honor that bold prayer. He'll give you a chance. And when you're walking in bold obedience, you're not surprised when God shows up. Luke just says it. Matter of fact, there's no exclamation points. There's no, oh my gosh, you can't believe this. Hey, we're in trouble and God sent an angel and the angel let us out. Don't be surprised when God shows up and shows off and provides and does what only God can do. But it is a dangerous prayer. It, uh, it triggers spiritual opposition. It uh, releases God's miracle. And number three, it always requires faith. It always requires faith. And God is gonna speak to some of you and um, challenge you to do something that is out of your comfort zone. It may be to boldly confess a sin that's been holding you back for a long time. And you're only as strong as you are honest. It might be to boldly apologize for something that you've done wrong and to bring healing and restoration. It might be to lovingly, with a key on lovingly, confront someone and help guide them back to a path of truth. It might be to stand up for something in your workplace that um, lacks integrity and isn't honoring are the things that would honor God. It might be to reach out to someone you've known for a long time that doesn't know Christ and share Christ with them. It might be the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray for someone that you would normally feel a little bit uncomfortable, but you just say by faith, would you mind if I lifted you before God in prayer? What I promise you is when you pray it, say it, make me bold. When you ask God to make you bold, what he asks you to do is gonna take faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the angel said to the disciples, go to the temple and give the people the message of this new life. In other words, what do the angels say? Go do the very thing that's gotten you arrested and beaten twice before. That takes faith. Just go keep doing what I ask you to do, even if it comes at a high personal cost. So what did the disciples do at daybreak? They enter the temple as they were told, and they immediately begin teaching. Go do the very same thing that got you arrested and beaten twice before. When you pray a dangerous prayer, you will face opposition. You will see the provision and miracles of God. And what God asks you to do, it will take faith. And you have no idea what God may set into motion through a single act of bold obedience. So, if we fast forward to the end of the story, what happened to Peter and John? As they faithfully served Jesus. It's a great story. Uh, it's incredibly powerful. They um, had great, rich healing ministries and preaching the gospel. 
Um, because of that, they prospered financially and married great wives. They had several kids who went to private schools and learned to love Jesus and serve him faithfully. They took their ministry and consulting business years later and sold it for a lot of money. They retired comfortably, and Peter bought a home in the mountains, and um, John bought one in the, by the beach, and they raised their grandkids together and lived to an old, ripe age, faithful, prosperous, and blessed serving Jesus, right? They lived the American dream in Jerusalem, all for the glory of God, right? No, no. John was the only disciple that didn't die the death of a martyr because they just couldn't seem to kill him. They tried. They dipped the bro in boiling oil. That killed everybody else, but somehow he survived it. And he was exiled out all alone to the Isle of Patmos where he had visions and wrote them down in a pretty cool book called Revelation all alone after faithfully serving Jesus, suffering brutally until he went to glory. Peter, the guy that denied Jesus, uh, he was crucified for his faith. That's how his story ended. Not a beach house, but a crucifixion. And tradition tells us that when they went to crucify him, the very one that denied Jesus three times that I'm unworthy to die as my savior died. And so tradition tells us they crucified him upside down. That's how it went for him. And that's why I want to just tell you, and I want to tell you clearly that it is a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. This world is temporary, but what we do for the glory of God, it lasts forever. And if you pray this dangerous prayer, you got to get ready because it will come with a cost. You may not be liked. You may not get the job. You may not keep the job. You may lose some friends. But when you plant the seeds of faith, you have no idea what God might do through a single act of obedience. Just like my soccer friend buddy from my 45 minute sermon in 30 seconds. 30 some odd years went by and I was at the gym and he came up to me at the gym, I hadn't seen him since. And he hugged me really, really big, way too big of a hug for a guy that I haven't seen and didn't even know. And it was really emotional, he teared up. And he told me, he said, he said, Mike, he was from another, he said, Mike, back in college, you did that Jesus thing and we all knew you were weird. He said, we made fun of you and I laughed at you until my wife left me broken. And I thought, well, I don't know where else to turn. So I thought I'd try your church. And you were saying the same old thing that you said years ago. And so he goes, heck, I gave it a try. And I've been baptized and I've been changed. And we hugged and we hugged and we hugged and we cried and we cried and we cried. 30 something, some few years later. And it dawned on me, you have no idea what God might set into motion through a single act of obedience. So if you wouldn't mind, would you just stand to your feet? Even those of you at home, you might just stand at your feet in the presence of God today. And I would ask you, seven days, would you pray this prayer? And what I wanna just tell you, do not raise your hand out of pressure. Don't like somebody's watching me. Like, like I just don't lie in church. That's, that's my little, my little tip, don't lie in church. <laughs> just, just keep it real. Um, if you'd like to try this, just be forewarned, it is a dangerous prayer. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna see many times this week the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and prompt you to do something that's gonna take faith. I wonder how many of you are ready to be stirred up. I wonder how many of you are ready to be bold. I wonder how many of you are ready to be used. I wonder how many of you are ready to get out of your comfort zone and take a step of faith 
and let God use you to do more than you could imagine. If you'll pray this with me for the next seven days, would you just lift up your hands right now? Just lift up your hands. Father, thank you for a church full of people that want to honor you. God, I thank you for your hand upon Victory Church. I thank you for the light that Victory Church is in Tulsa, in Oklahoma, and all over the world. I pray, God, that you would empower these saints with the Holy Spirit to do your will. God, that everywhere they go, they'd be a light. God, they'd be open and sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit that would prompt them to obey boldly. And God, I thank you in advance that as they ask, you'll hear their prayer. Speak to them, direct them, guide their steps, anoint and empower them to do more for your glory than they could ever imagine. God, we put our faith in you, we put our trust in you, and we thank you in advance for how you're gonna use them today. Stir up the faith of your people to glorify you with every interaction they have. Use these great people to lift up the name of Jesus and show his love. As you keep praying today, without looking around, there are some of you, um, you may, if we talked about the things of God, and maybe if, if I had the chance to sit down with you and ask you some questions, where do you stand with God? You might say, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I don't know. Um, there may be something happening spiritually inside of you today, and let me try to explain to you what it might be. Maybe you don't understand fully, but you're feeling drawn to the things of God. Let me tell you what that is. That is the Holy Spirit. One of the things that the Spirit of God does is He draws people to God. And let me tell you what He's drawing you to. He is drawing you to the best news you've ever heard in your whole life. He's drawing you to a God that loves you, loves you, loves you as you are. Sin and all, He loves you. There's nothing you could do to cause God to love you more. And there's no sin that you could do that's so bad that it would cause God to love you less. He loves you for God so loved you that he sent his son, Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the perfect son of God. He's the lamb of God who was slain. He gave his life, the innocent one, in our place on a cross. And just like Peter and John said, God raised him from the dead. He defeated death, hell, sin, and the grave. Why? So that anyone, and this includes you, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how bad you feel, doesn't matter how dirty your life is, anyone who calls on that name, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the soon returning King of Kings, Jesus. When you call on His name, God forgives your sins. He gives you grace. You become brand new. The old is gone and everything becomes new all around the room. Those of you online, you're being drawn to God. Don't think about it. Don't analyze it. Just surrender to it. What do we do? We step away from our old life. We step away from our sins. We repent of them. We turn away from them and we surrender our lives to Jesus. When we do, God makes you new. He'll fill you with the Spirit. You will never, ever be the same all over the world online. Those of you here say, yes, I need His grace. Today by faith, I give my life to Jesus. That's your prayer. Lift your hands high right now. Lift them up in the air. Lift them high. Come on, somebody. Give God praise today. Give Him praise for those today coming to faith in Christ all over the room. Hands up everywhere. Would you just all pray aloud? Everybody, nobody prays alone. Pray, Heavenly Father. Pray aloud. Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Jesus, save me. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, so I could serve you, so I could follow you, so I could show your love. Jesus, make me bold. Make me bold. Make me bold to represent you, to share your good news. My life is not my own. I give it all to you. 
Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Could you lift up your voices now? Give him praise. Lift up your voices. Give him praise today.